0: Most discussions about federal modernizing center on information technology. For the armed forces, though, modernizing is also about physical systems that require a solid manufacturing industry base. That's where the nonprofit Advanced Manufacturing Innovation and Integration Center comes in. It's working to support the Army's need for a half million skilled workers. Here with the details, the center's program manager, Brian Schmidt. Mr. Schmidt, good to have you with us.
1: Great to be here
0: tell us about the center itself. What does it actually do? It's a nonprofit. Most people know as you're in Huntsville, which is a big center for a lot of military
1: and manufacturing activity. But what goes on at the center? So you're absolutely correct. There's a lot of activity going on here. The center is actually a division of the National Center for Defense Manufacturing Machining. We've been working in the Huntsville area with Huntsville businesses and the Arsenal and those types of folks since about 2005. So we have had a presence here. just made a lot of sense to uh, finally stand up a division here in Huntsville. What the AMIC division does is we provide exposure and training related to advanced manufacturing technologies and providing that exposure to Northern Alabama, whether it be academia, whether it be government friends, those types of things. So that in a nutshell is what we do. Uh, We have several thousand square foot of lab space that has numerically controlled machines, provides exposure to robotic manipulation of parts, blue light scanning, all of the up-to-date technology with respect to manufacturing.
0: And give us a sense of the precision with which defense systems, and I think this is true all the way down to the individual cartridge or shell, all the way up to a Patriot missile type of system. These are not things that are just kind of banged out of pig iron, are they?
1: No, no, definitely not. I mean, we'll be dealing with precision and inspection and precision and creation of parts into thousands and even tenths. Everything is just getting more precise. Machines are being able to create more precise geometries, which requires inspection to validate and verify those geometries. So we are providing exposure to be able to understand how to manipulate and use that type of equipment.
0: Plus, you need welders and riveting, and there's a lot of attachment technologies that are equally high-tech nowadays. A bad
1: weld, you're out of luck if the weld breaks. Exactly. So we provide linkage to other academia within the northern Huntsville area that provide that expertise, whether it be welding expertise, whether it be inspection expertise. So we are here to provide training and exposure To kind of set the stage for future adoption by the individual, they may choose that this is something that they want to go and pursue more based upon this exposure. And then we can provide the linkage to that local academia, local businesses, those types of things.
0: Now, Huntsville, I think, has become the most populous city in Alabama, but Alabama is not the most populous place to begin with. And so why just northern Alabama? I mean, there's a giant country that needs these jobs. And of course, the military industrial
1: base is nationwide. Yes, you're exactly correct. So we have a lot of technologically proficient folks here. NASA is here, you know, name of multiple name or digit acronym, you know, insert that here and they're here. With all of those smart folks, there tends to be a kind of a less of a focus on the manufacturability. So the sooner that we can get those super smart folks to understand manufacturability and design for manufacturing and those types of things, the easier it is to transition a good idea into a manufactured product.
0: We're speaking with Brian Schmidt. He's a program manager at the Advanced Manufacturing Innovation and Integration Center in Huntsville, Alabama. And you have become a mentor in the Army's Mentor-Protégé program. Tell us more about that
1: so mentor protege uh, it was an absolute perfect fit for ncdmm and amic so our strength is providing advanced manufacturing technology and advanced manufacturing solutions to assist the department of defense in combating manufacturing issues or creation of new manufactured systems so By capitalizing on our past experience with transition of technology from essentially a lab prototype to pre-production, we were set up well to apply for that mentor protege and allows us to engage with small to medium-sized companies within Northern Alabama to help them navigate that, hey, we had this team of super smart folks, we've developed this lab prototype, okay, now... How do we get it into the DOD's hands or into the hands of of somebody to manufacture? So transitioning, it's called the valley of death. It's a manufacturing readiness level from four to seven. So it's transitioning through that uh, technology development or that product development phase.
0: Right. So you really have two things you need to mentor outfits on small companies. One is the manufacturing itself and the technologies and techniques and the workforce requirements to do that. But then... How do you sell it and how do you get the government to buy it? Because often there's that desire to sell, there ought to be, and then the government is always expressing a need for these new products or these new capabilities. But as you point out, there's that valley of death, which is the acquisition system.
1: So we, you know, another strength that NCDMM and AMIC have are being able to make the connections between those small and medium-sized manufacturers or even development teams to manufacturers within this region and within the United States that can help them also transition that product or that technology from a good idea to a manufactured product.
0: So are you now mentoring some companies? Have they actually
1: signed on? We have. We have a few in the pipeline. I don't want to jinx anything or let the cat out of the bag. Uh, We are currently engaged with some folks. We've been partnering with uh, other individuals to get exposure to other companies within the northern Alabama region. So just getting out there, networking, providing an understanding of where we can help folks has really, really bode well for us.
0: And if you're working with small Alabama companies, what is their access to capital? Because you're talking capital-intensive types of work, machine tools, robotic automation, and all of these things – the uh, test and measurement requirements of high-tech manufacturing are pretty rigorous, so it's expensive to do versus starting another consulting company.
1: Yes. So there are methods in, in which we can assist with providing that technology, providing that understanding, and providing that funding. Every case is slightly different than the next. So to say generally that we can provide all funding to all people to do all things is is, is not a correct statement. That's, that's kind of where that stands. Because you got to make sure they
0: can pay you back eventually, or there won't be money for the next guy.
1: <laughs> well, we are a nonprofit, so uh, we don't hold IP. So that's not how we get paid. Uh, we are doing this as part of a you know federal or Alabama funded or. Uh, We have a bunch of different funding mechanisms to provide that experience and that development.
0: And is your own background military such that you have an interest in making sure the military
1: is ultimately well-equipped, which is the point of all of this? Exactly correct. Exactly correct. We do not want our folks to go into a fair fight. We want them to have a distinct advantage in any scenario that they can be engaging in.
0: Brian Schmidt is a program manager at the Advanced Manufacturing Innovation and Integration Center in Huntsville. Thanks so much for joining me.
1: Oh, thank you very much for having me. Just a shameless plug you know for northern Alabama. uh It's great to finally have a facility here, and uh looking forward to engaging with all the folks here in the region.
0: plus some good hunting, fishing, and motorcycling down there too, right.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, transitioning from Pennsylvania to Alabama, I don't have to shovel heat. So that's fantastic.
0: (laughs) We'll post this interview along with a link to more information at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on demand. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Dr. David Wilson, president of Morgan State University. David has had a fascinating career and has garnered a long record of accomplishments from more than 30 years of experience in higher education administration. Came to Morgan State in 2010 from the University of Wisconsin, where he was chancellor of both the University of Wisconsin Colleges and the University of Wisconsin Extension. Before that, he held numerous other administrative posts in academia, including Vice President for the University of Outreach, Associate Provost at Auburn University, and um, associate provost of Rutgers. And when we were talking earlier, too, you had just mentioned that you had a um, a wonderful nomination at the American Academy of Arts and Sciences. And, David, thank you so much for joining me.
3: Shane, it is indeed a pleasure uh, to be invited into this
2: conversation with you. It's not in, your, um, in the short bio here, but I also know you served in some capacity in the Obama administration. Yes, I did, as a matter of fact. You've had a fascinating career at numerous universities across the U.S. How did you become passionate about the education field? And what are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned? First of all, I
3: was made aware of a quote by Horace Mann, who was a great 19th century educator who really gave rise to public education in the United States. And he was the first to utter the phrase that education is the great equalizer And why that resonated with me was because I grew up in abject poverty uh, in rural Alabama. And there was no law in Alabama as I was growing up that required black kids to go to school. Uh, I was kind of shut off from formal education on a consistent basis. I didn't get a chance to go to school full time until I was in the seventh grade. We lived on property there that were owned by uh, the white landowners. And so, the um, owner of the property, a white woman, would bring down to this little shanty that we lived in, and she would bring look and life magazines. My mom, uh, she would make us as children plaster these pages of look and life magazines against the wall of this little shanty to keep the cold wind out. I would take a kerosene lamp and go around the walls, reading those articles in look and life magazines, which is when I first came across the phrase of Horace Mann. Hmm. From that point
2: on, I committed myself you know, to education. It's an amazing story, and two things occur to me. One, it's almost incomprehensible that this happened during our lifetime. You know, that to me is uh, almost shocking. It's also truly inspiring that you recognized that you could do more and sought out to do that, and were successful at it. So when you think back on that experience, how has that informed, shaped, influenced your leadership position now as president of Morgan State? It it had to have had an impact, but how would you articulate that? So if you go back to that Alabama environment,
3: what I saw, it was just so many people, my own brothers and sisters who were 10 times smarter than I was, but my first five brothers- were literate. They never got an opportunity to show the nation how brilliant they were. Therefore, I really took on this whole notion that my life had to be about ensuring that individuals who were drowning in potential and they didn't realize it would be in a position where they would realize it. I was never ever about positions that would enable me simply to replicate privilege. I don't care where you went to school. I don't care what type of family you came from. I think that's where sometimes we kind of get education wrong. Uh, We have institutions that want to define themselves uh, based on how many students they don't admit. I'm about just the opposite. Taking individuals who are absolutely stellar and don't realize it and bringing that into
2: existence for them. You've had so many opportunities uh, that you could do other things, perhaps, at um, larger organizations. But you're where you want to be on purpose, by design, for the kinds of reasons you just talked about, that it's it's fulfilling. But can you talk a little bit more about that? There
3: have been so many so-called top 50 institutions in the United States that have come aggressively after me. And...